Hi, and welcome to the Pine Ridge House Sermon Podcast. We are a church located in Calgary, Alberta, where the Bible is our standard for all faith and practice. Thank you for joining us today. So we're taking a break from uh, Genesis this morning. We're taking a break to talk about discipleship. Discipleship is one of the key uh, components of any church. And in our church, it's one of the three pillars, <clears throat> discipleship. And as we head into the annual general meeting, we thought it would be good if we picked one of the pillars and uh, explained it more thoroughly to you. And so we find ourselves then in the book of Acts, chapter uh, 14. And as we pick it up here, Paul uh, has just been stoned. Uh, it's quite a remarkable uh, text. But just refer to it there again with me um, in verse 19. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, I've never been to a stoning, and I hope I never get to be uh, a participant. Uh, no, I'll never be a bar- participant. Uh, I meant to say spectator, participant just kind of came out. Um, <clears throat> I hope to never be a spectator at that, or to see one. Um, I can't imagine what it would have been like, but after they had stoned Paul, you can imagine what must have occurred in order for them to leave him to think that he's dead. Many of the stones would have had to been inflicted on Paul, and the crowd, as they were stoning him, blow after blow after blow until finally Paul is laying there in a, in a rag heap. And then they grab Paul and they take him out of the city uh, to the outskirts uh, of the city at this point. And not only did the people who stoned him think he was dead, so did his disciples, or so did the disciples. They also thought he was dead. But Paul lifts himself up, maybe with a little bit of help from his buddies around him, and he entered into the city. And that night he stayed in the city, and I don't imagine he had a very good sleep. But you would think that maybe the next day, maybe the next day he would take a break, or the next week, or month or so from what has just happened. But the stoning did nothing to deter Paul. Instead, he continued on in the ministry. And the very next day, it says, he heads off to Derby, which is just east of Lystra. Now, I doubt that many of you could have done that. I doubt that I could have. I'm just going to tell you straight up, I wouldn't have. Bloody and bruised from a stoning, and right away, he's proclaiming Jesus Christ again. But for Paul, this was never about him. Sharing the message of Jesus was never about himself. He was telling, and he had to tell everybody, the greatest thing that had ever happened in his life. He met Jesus Christ, the giver of life, the giver of life, sin-free. And Paul had never known this before, and neither have any of us before we gave our life to Jesus Christ. And after having known what it is to be saved from all sin, to walk sin-free, where all the things he's done in his past have been completely removed from him, he couldn't help. He couldn't help but proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And so it didn't matter if he was stoned the day previous. He was out there, and he needed to share the message of Jesus with other people. Once he gets to Derby, he continues on to advance the kingdom. But noting, <clears throat> notice the wording here. After they had preached the gospel, there in verse 21, to that city and had made many disciples. And had made many disciples. Now, the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. Don't be impressed. You can look it up. But it literally means a learner or a pupil. Therefore, to make disciples means that one is making learners or pupils. 
Some of you here are still in school. Some of you are here in university, and quite often you're termed a student. You're termed a student for a reason, because you are learning. You are in the process of learning. But for the most part, at some point in university, you'll be finished, and it'll be over. That's not the case here. Here, initially, he's making new learners, but as we're going to read along here, the people who have been Christians for a long period of time are still called learners. But here he makes more learners. He doesn't make more converts here. He makes more learners. Quite often, we refer to people who give their life to Jesus Christ as converts. Who is the convert? And generally speaking, you're thinking about something that has happened in the past, a past event when you converted to Jesus Christ. So after he had made many more converts, maybe you'd expect that. That isn't what he says. After making more learners, learners of who? Learners of Jesus Christ. Learners of God's way. And once you become a learner of God's way, you never stop. You are always a learner. I love the way that it's termed here in, Luke four, uh, in Acts 14. This is not describing people here who have entered into the Christian realm. This is not describing people who have entered into it. It was about active members of Christianity. Active members. Now, in um, many Christian circles, we have these things called denominations. And denomination, a denomination is usually uh, a head up top, and underneath there are several churches underneath the denomination. They didn't have this in the early church. They had something else, though, and there was a term for their particular, if you will, denomination. Anybody know what was the general term for all of the churches? The way. It was called the way. It was called the way. All the churches belong to something called the way. You can look this up later, but it's in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 24. And it was called the way because Christianity is not something that is static. These learners who are learning God's way are also um, living it out in the world. And so it's called the way because it was a way of life. And it was a contrary way of life to anybody else in the world. It was the way. And it's your, way, it's your way of life that you live in accordance with what you learn from Jesus Christ and what you learn from his word. And Jesus, he didn't just come into this world for a brief period of time and take off. If he just wanted to create converts, he could have done that in no time. Week, two at the most. But he stayed three years. Why? Because he wanted to create learners. But not just learners, people of the way who then live it out in this world. <clears throat> Now, being described as a learner implies that learning, obviously, is still going on. It's still going on. That's why it's described as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's why we're described as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's a perfect description for Christians. And you remember, that's what Jesus told the apostles in Matthew 28. He, he, he told the apostles at that point, I want you to go and make more learners. Not make more converts, although that's part of it. I want you to make more learners. Have a look at this passage again with me here. You'll notice that disciple, uh, the, word, the term disciple is all throughout this passage. There it is in verse 20, while the disciples stood around him. Then in verse 20, 21, after they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. Then again in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples. And then again in verse 28, they spent a long time there with the disciples. 
Now, if you know anything about studying the Bible or studying a text, something that's repeated over and over is something we ought to clue in on. This is something that uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Luke as he was writing Acts down, that we would understand something about discipleship as we have it here. But you'll notice there's three different stages, uh, or three different stages of maturity in terms of how long people have been Christians, but the term stays the same, right? Look there in verse 21. After they had preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples. These are brand new learners. Brand new learners learning about Jesus Christ, learning his way. Then it says that Paul goes back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. These are people who have been disciples for a period of time already. Learners for a period of time. After he, he finishes his ministry, we find down in verse 26 to 28, Paul goes back to a place called Antioch. That's his home church. He was initially sent out on a missionary journey. Now he returns back. Who does he return back to? Verse 28, they spent a long time with the disciples. So being a disciple is not indicative of the length of time you've been a Christian. It's indicative of the kind of Christian you are. Being a disciple has nothing to do with the length of time you've been a Christian. It has everything to do with the kind of Christian you are. And Jesus wants all Christians to be learners. He wants all Christians to be disciples. This is nothing new. You remember back in Psalm chapter 1, David, he's writing under the inspiration of God, and he says what? How blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night. It's a constant meditation, a constant learning, a constant feeding into your life about God's way. Because our default, our default way is not God's. So if you become a follower of Jesus and now you don't read God's way, your default is not going to be his way. You'll have the Spirit of God who will try to lead you, but unless you have the Word of God with you, you will shrink back in no time. We have to be learners because we have a process not only that's going on in our heads telling us what we ought to be, in terms of our own flesh, leading us away from God's way, we have an entire world system that's doing the same thing. And so we need input outside of ourselves and outside of the world that can transform the way we think and the way we behave. And of course, that's God's word. So we have to be learners. We have to be ongoing disciples. In other words, if you choose to call yourself a a, a Christian... If you choose to call yourself a Christian, let it be a descriptive term and maybe more one like a disciple and a learner. This is what God's looking for in this world. This is what he's looking for from us. Ongoing learners of him and his way. And this is exactly what Paul sets out to do and what he was trying to accomplish. And this passage makes it very clear that this is his mission. He made disciples initially there in verse 21. But then he returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Paul doesn't take a shorter route back to his home church, Antioch, because he wanted to make sure that the other Christians were continuing to grow in the way of God. Have a look there at, this, at the reason, stated reason why Paul was going back to Lystra. He was going back there to strengthen them. He was not going back there to give a foundational message of Jesus Christ, but he's urging them to continue on in discipleship with Christ. And the reason they needed encouragement is because there were many hardships going on at that time with Christians. But discipleship is key to the church. 
It's key to the church. There was a while back where the church, um, uh, large sections of the church had gotten away from this message of discipleship and said, no, it's just about bringing people converts. And there was a, there was a movement that started down in Willow Creek in Chicago. And it was attracting many people to come into the church service and it was about getting them to commit to Jesus Christ, which was a great thing. But they forgot to disciple. And then they wrote a book later on telling them how, um, how the message that they initially had stated to people and, and their, their whole makeup of their church, they'd actually gotten it wrong. They'd forgotten about discipleship. And without discipleship, the church is susceptible to all kinds of winds and waves of doctrines that creep in. Discipleship is necessary And so when Jesus left, first of all, he spent three intensive years making sure these guys understood what God's way was. After he left, he said, I want you to go and make more learners out there. And in order to make learners in the church, there needs to be a system. There needs to be a system set up in the church to ensure that discipleship will continue on. And that system is called eldership. Look in verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed. You'll notice here that Paul sets up elders in every single church. Paul tells Titus to do the exact same thing in Titus 1.5. He says, appoint elders in every city. Why? What's the important thing about there being elders in a church? The point of an elder is to continue on the, the, the ministry of learnership, if you will, in the church. If you go to places like uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and to Titus chapter 1, it talks about the character, the character of the kind of people that are elders. But then it talks about their function. And the main function, the key function of an elder is to teach God's word and to refute those who contradict it. So they had to have a certain kind of godly character in order to be an elder. But to be a functioning elder, you had to know how to teach God's word, how to handle God's word, and how to refute those who contradict it. Notice here that Paul says, in every single church, Titus, every single city, you set up elders. And here, Paul is doing it right off the bat. We need elders in every single church because we need to ensure that learnership, that discipleship keeps on going. If there are not able teachers of the word of God in his church, the way of God will be overshadowed by something else and become susceptible to false doctrine. We've seen it over and over and over again. You can see it in one of the churches in the New Testament. You get a chance later on this afternoon, have a look at Hebrews chapter 5. It says they become dull of hearing, and the church was actually in trouble with doctrine. Because it says they were dull of hearing the word of God. They had taught them the word of God. And they said, by this time, you ought to be teachers of the word of God. But we have to have somebody come back and teach you all over again. Because you become dull of hearing. You're not spending time in the word of God. After Paul sets up elders in each of these churches and stays with each city for a brief period of time, he heads back to Antioch and he heads back to his home church. He goes to Perga, and he continues on teaching the long-term disciples there. When he gets to Antioch, and he gathers them around, he tells them all about the missionary trip he had. But I love the description of the people there. Long-term Christians, they're described as disciples as well. They're described as learners. 
So what does that mean for us here at Pine Ridge? How does this pertain to us at Pine Ridge? Here at Pine Ridge, we have three, three key pillars. Relational evangelism, relational discipleship, and church planning. And all of these are governed by God's word. All of them are governed by God's word. But we have something that we call relational discipleship. And discipleship, relational discipleship, means that we're going to learn together in relationships. We're going to use God's word as our, as our primary foundation of truth, but we're going to learn together in relationships. So what does that look like in a church? What do we have here? About 70 adults, maybe 60, 60 adults here. In a small church like this, how many groups do we have set up for discipleship? We have something called a young adults group. I had the, the privilege of coming in on the last part of the young adults meeting on Friday night. A group of young adults gathered together, and what are they doing? They're studying God's Word. And we're finished, and they still want to keep talking about God's Word. We have something called moms and littles, ladies of littles. These are young moms who meet together um, once every two weeks. Is that right? Once every two weeks in our house. And Jody talks with these ladies of, uh, who have young children, and the curriculum, again, is what? The Word of God. We have a parenting group that meets once a month at my place, and we talk to both uh, men and women of small children, and we talk to them about what it is to raise children according to God's way. What's our curriculum? God's Word. In this church, we have six Berean groups, six of them, six Berean groups. And in these Berean groups, they're... Um, uh, they're located all around the city. It's just men's group and just women's groups. We found that this is uh, an easier place for them to share some of the things that's going on in their life. But we have six of them in the church. What's the curriculum? God's Word. Over and over and over, we have 10 small groups in this church. All of them in all different walks of life in terms of where they're at spiritually. But our curriculum is God's Word. And we are learners. A week ago, Thursday, we met on a Thursday night group. That's another group. I forgot about that group to mention. Every second week, we have a Thursday night group. This is, this is an entrance place. If you're brand new to the church and you want to know a place where to meet, you come Thursday night. And by the way, we're having one this Thursday night. forgot to mention that to Drew. We're having that this Thursday night at my place at 7 o'clock. Um, when you come there, we're also going to take a look at God's Word. That's what we do. Over and over, all throughout the church, if you've been at this church for any length of time and you've been involved in any kind of group, you will understand that we are learners of this word. It is a lot of information in here. There's a lot of information in here. <clears throat> when we met a week ago on Thursday, we went through a passage in my uh, Matthew chapter 18. I don't know if, don't be impressed by looking at this, but I'm going to show you anyways. Uh, this, is my, this is my Matthew 18. So on this, on this side over here, this is Matthew 18. I've got uh, notes all written around it. I write, write in pencil just in case I get something wrong. I can erase it later. Um, but I write in pencil all the stuff I've learned over the years. And I've gone through this passage many, many times. I don't know how many times I've gone through it. We went through it again on Thursday night, and I learned some stuff brand new all over again. Because we're learners. We're learners. We want to keep learning God's Word. And so that's why discipleship is one of the key components of this church. I'm not speaking about the other two. Maybe that'll come in the years to come. But it's a key component of this church. We want to be learners. And Paul, when he sets out to uh, minister and to advance the kingdom of God, he wants to set up learners. The same thing that Jesus told him to do initially. 
And it's why the church is set up with elders to ensure, to ensure that the church is moving the ministry of discipleship forward. All right, it's a little bit of a shorter sermon this morning because we do have an annual general meeting, but I do have a, a few lessons for you here. First of all, Christians, we are ongoing learners or disciples of God's way. That's what Christians are. We are ongoing learners or disciples of God's way. You want to know what a Christian is? That's what a Christian is. There's many other things that describe us. That's a key component that describes what we are like and who we are like. We are ongoing learners or disciples of God's way. Secondly, Christianity is to be known as, uh, as a current way of life. That's why the Christians were called the way, because they lived it out. So Christianity is to be known as a current way of life, not a past sincere commitment. There's movements in, uh, in larger denominations which talks about how many converts do you have to the church. I think a better uh, temperature check of the church is how many disciples do you have in the church? How many people are learners in the church? I noted there in Acts chapter uh, 24 and 14 and 22, that's Felix. He's a secular guy. He's a secular guy. He's not a, he's not a Christian. But he's, it says that he was well familiar with the way. How does he become well familiar with the way if he's not a part of the church? Because the way of life is lived out. As Christians, we live it out. They were living it out there. So Felix began to be very well acquainted with it. I'm sure many people told him about it. But he was also able to see it because Christianity is a way of life. It's not a commitment we made in some uh, past ceremony. Christianity is a way of life. And then finally, teaching and learning is vital to every church and the reason why qualified elders are needed in every one of them. Teaching and learning is vital to every church and the reason why qualified elders are needed in every one of them. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more information on our church or this recording, please contact us at www.pineridgehouse.com.